Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Dwell, a Circe Institute podcast for homeschool moms by homeschool moms and grandmas. I am Karen Kern, and today I'm joined by my host, co-host, Renee Mathis, and our guest today is Christina Davis. Hello, ladies. Hi. Hi, Karen. Hi. Um, today, our topic is training your kids to work, and I asked our guest, Christina, to join us because her family is known in our community, our church community, and the community at large as workers. If somebody needs something done somebody has a need, they're a family that are there together, serving with their tools, their trucks, whatever they have, uh, whatever resources they have, they're there to help. They also um, have seven children and they um, all have jobs. The oldest ones all work hard. And so I wanted to have Christina on to talk about what that looks like in her family and how they inspire their children to follow in their footsteps by serving in these capacities. So welcome, Christina. Hi, thanks um, for me. Do you wanna do you wanna start by introducing yourself and our, your family to us? Yeah. Um I'm Christina and my husband is Trevor and our seven kids. We have five boys and two girls. Our oldest is 20 and then we have an 18 and a 17 and a 15 year old and a 14 year old and an 11 and an eight year old. <laughs> It sounds busy when you, I know the ball, but when I hear you say that it's a lot, it is a lot. It is (laughs) very cool, but it's great. So when I was thinking about training our kids to work, it could go in so many different directions, um, training to work in terms of serving other people term in terms of when they're young, working inside your home, when they're older, having jobs. So let's just jump in and, um, take it wherever wherever your thoughts went with the question. Okay. Well, I, we got some great advice when we were first starting out with kids and our, you know, our oldest few are bunched up. They're so close together that it was a while before they were actually helpful. You know, we, we got, we just asked for a lot of people's advice who had 
a lot of kids and whose kids were older and um, they really helped us figure out, you know, in the beginning, we were not asking enough of our kids. You know, you, you tend to get into these rhythms where you can just do it and you just hurry up and get it done. Um, and it would, you just want to see the work get done more so than taking 10 times longer to train someone else to do it. So it was um, probably too late that we realized some of our children were capable of so much more. So we, we ended up learning that as we went um, and as we had more kids do it. So one of the best things that anyone ever told me advice long ago was that you teach the youngest possible person to do the job. So, you, you know, if you need the dishwasher unloaded, you don't ask the 11 year old to do that if the seven year old can do it, because then the more you give the younger ones, you know, you pass down some of the jobs to them, it frees up the older ones to do harder and harder things which then frees you up to do what only you can do. So I, I felt like that was great advice because to be honest, I, I went to college and got, I got a degree that I feel like has been pretty useless. I got a, a degree in child and family development. And the reason why I say it's been useless is because it was so, I guess it was just so progressive or it wasn't um, the kind of things that were became helpful when I was actually a mother. A lot of it I needed to unlearn, but a lot this asking your children to do hard work or come alongside you and you train them to do the jobs so that you are freed up to do what only you as a mother can do. You know, you take a supervisory role. Um, that was not the kind of stuff they were telling us in college. You know, that was just a little too old fashioned to have your kids um, learn to do work. So we had a hobby farm before we lived in North Carolina. We lived in South Carolina. We just had a dairy cow and goats and chickens. So that was the kind of work that my three oldest boys were doing for a while. They were actually milking the cow. And then they brought the milk in to me and then, you know, I would take it from there. But, and they, you know, as the, they got older and then we moved here, we had, it totally changed how it looked because we no longer lived out in the country. But this teaching the youngest possible person to do it, it has really reaped a lot of rewards. So as they move out of a job, you know, they teach their next youngest sibling to do it and so on. So that our chore chart, if you were to come in our house and see our chore chart, it would look totally different next year because it does, you know, it, it evolves over time. It, it's constantly changing. So it's a work in progress. And, so, and you have to look at that way because when you make that chore chart and you realize there are some bugs in the system, you know, we've got to move this around because these two people need to be in the same room at the same time, you know, something doesn't work, but I kind of, I put a lot of time into that, especially at the beginning of a new school year, because like this year, right now, my 18 year old, he just moved. Um, and since he's gone now, there are holes, you know, things that are not getting done. So I'm having to move other people in there that leaves their job empty and I can either make that either means more work for me because I'm having to fill in the gaps or I have to rearrange it so that everybody takes a little bit of what Corbin left behind. 
So I, that's what, that's what I mean by it's constantly having to change and evolve because my two oldest have graduated. And so I actually have fewer workers now, you know, it's going to get harder as they graduate and leave. Um, And I realize there are a lot of people who have all small children and they're thinking this, this is not my reality at the moment, but it, it, one day the, the scales will tip and then your kids will be more help than they are, you know, more of a, an asset than a liability when it comes to how much work there is in the home. So even now it's really a great investment of your time to, to teach them to, to stand there and train them however long it takes to do it right. And sometimes you have to make some um, changes in your home in order to make it a, an environment that little people can work in. So we have really, we have cheap dishes and that's, and that's from a lot of experience and our dishes getting broken, but uh, you know, we have our, the way right now, Lucy is eight. She unloads the dishwasher and the dishes go straight into the lowest cabinet where she can reach everything. She can't reach anything up here. So she can't, you know, do those jobs. But that is what we, we set up the kitchen so that the youngest one can do those jobs. And then um, we also have things like, you know, um, jobs where we have a two-story house. And so it makes some things hard to carry up and down. But so we're just trying to design the workflow to be workable for the littlest person who can do it. And, um, and it's really, uh, it makes it possible for the house to run without me. Um, so I, I think that was just the advice that I got, you know, 15 years ago and I, and I started implementing it and tried to, to make it, you know, keep going as each, as each kid came along, you know, work them into the system whenever it's possible. Um, you are very organized. <laughs> that is, yes. I just love listening to you. This is, that's really good. Um, I, I'm curious, like, what, what are some things that, and so I've, I've kind of got two questions floating around here. Number one, do you ever work alongside with your children, even, even today? Like, you know, yeah, I know they could do the, the dishes by themselves, but is it a treat to have mom standing there with them and washing and drying dishes together? Or do you kind of rotate around with all your kids and, and just kind of keep an eye on what they're doing? Well, our kitchen is so small. We are literally alongside each other, whether we want to be or not. But our, yes, I, I mean, just before I came up here, um, my daughter, Judah, she's 15. She wants to know how to make sourdough. And so I'm trying to show her all the, you know, moments where, okay, well now it's been a couple hours, we got to do this. So she was just down there and I was with her doing it just because, you know, supervising, but she's almost got it. So that's, that's going to be a relief to me when I can step out of that because we do it several times a week. Um, And yeah, you know, last night I, because my older kids do have jobs outside of the home, um, my, my dishwasher loaders, my dish loaders were all gone. And so I was a younger one was doing it. who doesn't normally do it and was putting some things in there that were not dishwasher safe. So yes, I was definitely in a supervisory role there. And, um, 
And it's, and I realize my, my standards are way higher than theirs. This has actually been a, a big, um, a lesson for me over the years because I, I am, I tend to be a perfectionist. So I've had to really lower my expectations and say, you know, it, for the piece of the home, I would rather have, um, a lighthearted, you know, time that we're doing our after dinner cleanup. I'd like it to be fun or I don't want to have to come down hard on people because they're, they didn't do it up to my standard, but I want it to do, to be done well enough. So I, I'm having to take into account their age. You know, of course, the younger they are, the more it's going to be, it's going to look a little crazy when you look in the dishwasher and I have to say, well, that doesn't really go there. So I'm, I am coming along and checking their work behind them, but I'm, I'm trying really hard not to, not to make them feel like I'm just finding fault. So I'm, I'm having to lower my standard to not, not exactly how it would look if I did it. That's good. There's a lot of good lessons there for us though. And I love your emphasis on let's be joyful about this, you know, according to the capabilities of the kids God has given us. That's really neat. Yeah. We actually, um, recently last year, twice, we went to Texas to visit the LeBlanc family. And both times we noticed (laughs) that their after dinner cleanup is so the standard is so high. It's just amazing to watch how clean that place gets that we renamed after dinner cleanup. We renamed it Operation Kobe because (laughs) (laughs) Kobe's kitchen looks spotless after supper. So we told the kids, we're like, guys, we gotta, we gotta step up our game. I've been to Kobe's house and it's brand new. And, and there is something about when, because my house is less than two years old. And when it's, when it's two years old or less, you, know, you are really careful <laughs> about, about all those cleanup. Renee, you said that your question had two parts. Did you have another question related? I did. And now I can't remember oh. what it is. <laughs> While you're thinking, I have a question. So do you have your, your, your older ones teaching the youngers because for example, Corbin used to come and mow for us and do the trimming and all of that. Now, um, well, and then Finn came. Now I think it's mostly Christian. Yeah. Who comes. So yeah, they they take care of our yard and um it's great because when it's in the 90s here and Andrew's traveling and I'm home alone and our grass grows really fast, I'm like, I those Davis boys are coming over <laughs> and I'm yeah. so, I'm so grateful for them. But I, but I've noticed that, that, you know, there must be times when the olders teach the youngers how to do stuff. Yeah. And that's what's got to happen around here is the, you know, as the older ones are leaving or they're doing more, they're working in their jobs more, they are having a handoff to the next one. And, and so Christian is the one who's mowing, the grass. But the hard part is when you have so many boys, like I do, you end up with wanting to, you don't want anybody to get away with doing nothing, but as long as they're here, they're pitching in, you know, that, so our yard, we end up dividing it up into who's going to do the backyard. Cause there's a big hill in our backyard and it is not fun. Who's going to do our tiny little front yard, but it has to look good because you know, there's edging involved. And then we have a garden and our 17 year old Finn, he's our resident gardener. So usually Finn gets the good end of that, 
that division of labor because he ends up getting to, he doesn't have to do yard work because he's always working in the garden anyway, you know? So that's an advantage to be the, being the gardener, I guess. Well, that's fair. Okay. So I, I remember my, I remember ahead, my second part. Okay. So it, it had to do with chores and work and, and also thinking about eventually getting jobs outside the home. Do you pay your kids an allowance? Do you pay them to do chores or do they learn to manage their money once they start working for other people? That's both. So we do not pay them to do their chores because they're part of the family. We want them to, we have more of an old fashioned, if any man is unwilling to work, then he's not to eat. So we just, <laughs> <laughs> I kids actually do know that, that verse from second uh, Thessalonians, but we're not going to starve them. We just, or we have that attitude that since they're a part of the family, then they, they need to pitch in and we divide the labor up you know, in every, whether it's outside or inside, um, even if it's a project. So we just have everybody pitch in. Um, we also don't want, one of the main things that I guess we are concerned about, especially living in America, is a sense of entitlement. And we do not want them to feel like, well, I'm trading my work for I expect something for it always, because a lot of times that's just not the way that life is, you know, work needs to be done. You do it, you take initiative and you, you get in there and do it. So we, we don't pay them, but we do allow them to, if they want to earn money, then we will give them paying jobs. So washing the car or you know something that needs to be done irregularly. Those are the kind of things that we will take the, the, first volunteer who's willing to take that job. And that's now, that's easier now because of the 11 year old Noble and my eight year old Lucy, they're the only ones who don't have a job outside of the home. And I'm I'm saying that with my fingers crossed because Christian who's 14, he has his first job interview this Saturday. Oh, what what is it for? uh, At 2D's Italian Deli. Oh, nice, that new deli. What's he going to do there? Well, they said that they need people to prep food sometimes after, even after it's closed. So we'll see. He, um, he, he loves Italian food, but I don't know how well that's going to, uh, to fit into it. But since he's 14, he just turned 14 in January and it's still January. Um, he is just now old enough in North Carolina to, to have a job, you know, a paying job that, so my other kids have had jobs at 14, but they have been, so Judah worked at a nearby farm where I first met Larissa. Um, that was, you, she was taking care of the horses and the chickens and things. And, um, and Publix is just a quarter of a mile down the street. They hire at 14 also. So there's not a lot of places that will hire 14 year old, even though it's legal in our state. But up until then, you know, they earn money by mowing people's grass or doing odd jobs. Yeah. So, so then you have to fit their job schedules into your schedule if you're driving them and picking them I, up and remembering to pick them up. Like that's a lot. You know, I do. But um, and at first, it was a lot when Harrison was taking dual enrollment classes. Andy had a job. Um, and Corbin then got a job, but you know, Harrison got his license pretty soon. And then he's having to drive. That's one of our agreements too, is with the older ones 
you, even after they graduate, okay, if you're going to live here and take college classes, you know, at UNC Charlotte or at the community college, that's fine, but you do have to help drive your siblings places. So right now we have a, a schedule where the drivers have to drive younger siblings places when, um, when, you know, when necessary. So it's getting, it's getting easier though, because we have now three fully licensed drivers and Judah is going to get her learner's permit in about two weeks. Mm -hmm. So um, we just can't, we actually have, we have, they're piling up needing to be needing us to drive with them. And there's not enough time for us to drive them before the next one's ready. And through driver's ed, like it's, this is uh, keeping up with the driving is, is a whole nother, whole nother ball game. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. I remember when our last was finished with driver's ed and, goddess license it feels like you've run the gauntlet of yeah. just the schedule mm-hmm. and you know it feels so good to have that done yeah and we- yeah so that was more of a graduation than graduation <laughs> <laughs> yes I know the thing is Christian's 14 and so when you're 14 and a half you start taking driver's ed so we're just about to start this process all over again yeah yeah but mm-hmm. and we and we have kind of a we have a policy that our kids and this is part of the, I guess, work ethic or fighting the entitlement that comes with being American. I don't know. We have a policy that until they have their first job, they cannot have a phone. And when they get, if they get their first job at 14 or 15, then they're just getting a flip phone or a, I don't know if you've heard of gab phone. It's just talking text. They're just getting a basic dumb phone and that's for safety. But then when they're for their 16th birthday, we will get them a smartphone. And then, you know, that, that can, you know, they can pass on their little flip phone or whatever to the next sibling when they get a job. So we kind of have a, a system that works there for the safety aspect of having to wait for, you know, you got to wait for somebody to come and pick you up on the corner. So they, they do have, they have that, but, um, but we just wait on that. And I, and I mentioned earlier, one of the one of the people that we've listened to to advise about when to give kids a phone was uh, Keith McCurdy. When um, Cersei interviewed him, they it was the Commons, and Brian Phillips interviewed him, and it was raising sturdy children, and it was about this needing to expect more of your kids and don't you know don't make everything so easy for them that they have no obstacles or no, no, nothing hard to do, no challenges in their way. But he, um, his advice was all really, really helpful, especially as we went into the teen years, because I think a lot of us have some conflicting ideas as I know I did from my education, where you feel almost like this tension between the, maybe psycho babble kind of advice you've gotten where you don't want to, you don't want to hurt your kid's self-esteem or you don't want to, I don't know. And their, their creativity needs to be allowed. So they need to not be oppressed by too much work. I mean, you just have all this weird kind of advice that's been, um, been piling up and then you, you hear like older people or you read some of the older books and the, the parenting advice and, you know, the hard work mentality, that work ethic, they, that is so different than what you're hearing nowadays. So 
I just felt like Keith McCurdy's um, pod went on the podcast and I've actually heard him in person here too. It has been some really helpful advice that's um, he, he did go into the cell phone thing and about, you know, you need to wait until maybe they have a job. That's a, that's a good thing to wait for. He, he'd spoken in person here at covenant classical and it was specifically about technology with your kids. And, um, and he's, so some of his ideas have really helped us reinforce what, what we were, what our policy would be, because, you know, when, when you have all these kids, you definitely have to have a policy because if you just keep taking it case by case, your kids see that as weakness <laughs> and they will pray, pray on that. But, you know, if you have like, I know this is what we're going to do when you, you know, when you get your first job, then, then you can have, um, you can have a phone and then we'll upgrade that later when you, you know, get to a certain age. So it has been, um, that's been where, how we've established a policy because, you know, we just started having teenagers seven years ago. We've had to, had to test out some of this and, you know, watch our kids grow up with fear and trembling, you know? <laughs> so Christina, you, you've talked about um, kids working at home, right? Because we're part of a family and, and that's what we do. We, we, we work together as a team and also outside the home being, you know, paid and learning to manage money and so forth. But I'm thinking of maybe a third category and that would be working for others just in a service capacity, just because, their brothers and sisters in Christ from our church, or maybe there are people who are in need that we know. So what does that look like in your family as far as using our efforts and our labor to serve outside of our home? Well, we have um, been very fortunate that we have been in churches that have already, they have a place that the teenagers can go, you know, here's this shelter that the kids are going to go, or they're going to go serve meals at the mission down in Charlotte. And there are different opportunities that my teenagers have, when they were old enough, have been able to step in and, and they've been able to go with us or go as a group. Um, like right now, Judah, she's 15 and she comes with me to volunteer at a, a it's called our community closet, but it is a clothing ministry that is free clothes and, and people, you don't have to pay anything. There's, there's all kinds of other donations in there also. So we just go together. It's only open three times a month. And so the days that we can go, Judah and I are both going. And, um, and that is, has been, a, a an easy way for us to just jump into what a ministry that's already going on. And, now, um, thankfully, this is this has just begun, and I'm really excited. There is um, a now a, a teen chapter of a club through Cabarrus County Homeschooling Association that we're members of. They have their teenagers are in a club called Astra, and um, Astra is actually a chapter that is sponsored by the adult version is called Altrusa, and Altrusa apparently is all over the country and in maybe larger cities. And I'm from a really small town, so I don't have not heard of it before. And um, I and they're sponsoring our teen club. And then the teens are they're going to give them funds to go and do different ministries, um, service projects for the community. So in December, um, my teenagers were able to go with me to um, a food packing facility where they pack dried food 
and they mail it to, we mailed it to Haiti. So there are different countries where they need it. And it's got, uh, they had it down to just this, this assembly line. It was perfection. Each teenager got one job and then they packed the food and they got to, we got, we got to pray for the, the people in Haiti who are going to be getting, receiving the food and, and got to learn a little about the different places in, um, in Haiti that are receiving it. So we've been really fortunate that we, we were right there when the Cabarrus County Homeschooling Association decided this is what we're the teenagers are going to start working towards. So um, that's the, we're, this year is going to be, I guess, our inaugural year where we're, we're starting um, some new ministries. So that's, that's just the things that are organizations. Um, we, you know, we also have, we have people, we have elderly people in our, fa- our family who have needed some, some help. You know, my, my older kids have been great at just saying, I need to take off a week and I'm going to drive down and, and take care, you know, help take care of what my grandmother or my great grandmother needs. So we're, we're trying to see our schedule as being, um, flexible so that if we're needed for something, you know, that my, my mom needed help. My grandmother a couple weeks ago, I was able to just up and go and help her because my kids are all ready to step in. They said, you go do what you got to do. And, um, that I think is like I was saying earlier, that's, that's like, I'm beginning to, to see the fruit of all those years of trying to get it so that my kids are, are able to do what needs to be done without, without me telling them to do it. So, um, that was really, I, I almost couldn't believe that everything went fine without me. And yet that, I know that sounds, that sounds like I have a high opinion of myself, but I was just like, wow, that was, that was beautiful. So (laughs) rewarding. Right. And so when your kids are all young adults and, you know, they're, they're having their own families, I think that you'll really see them step in and help each other. You know, like, like I see that some with my kids, when somebody has a need, others are there when they all live close by and it is very rewarding. And, you know, and I think that's part of the culture of your family is that, you know, if there's work to be done, it'll get done and I'll get done well. And it's, it's a joy. And I, I have a question related to that. So sometimes when you have a big family and it gets to the last two in the family, some of your um, naturally, I don't mean you, but maybe me, <laughs> some of those policies can slip a little when it gets to the last, you know, it's like, oh, why does he get to watch that show? Nobody else got to watch it when they were 12. So I'm wondering how this might work out with, you know, cute little Lucy at the end there. Is she going to be having to like mow the grass when she's 13? You know, and she's like one of the last ones. Oh, I'm just wondering, you know, what, what you're guessing is going to, how that's going to go. Well, I think that she's going to end up doing a whole lot of jobs that other people, we were all dividing up because there were more people in the house. She's going to end up with the bulk of it. Somebody else. Yeah. But I do think she's going to, on the flip side of that, she's going to end up with more privileges than her older siblings would have gotten at that age. Because there's this thing, I think friend of mine, Jennifer Allen, she has five kids. She called it age creep. And I think it's a really, 
it, it is true. It's when you have teenagers and you have little ones, you see that the rites of passage, you know, they, they have passed a milestone and gotten a privilege. And then the next younger one gets it a little bit earlier. And then the next younger one gets it a little bit earlier. And you begin to see this and you're thinking, how do I make this stop? You know, <laughs> and then they're critical. Yes. And the older ones are like, wait, what's happening? <laughs> exactly. I know. So, I mean, that, that is a thing that is, that is real. So I don't know. I do think Lucy's going to get the best of it and the worst of it in some ways. <laughs> yeah. Christina, you mentioned the, the podcast that you really found helpful and uh, we'll go ahead and, and put a link to that in the episode notes. Um, but do you have some other resources that you liked or enjoyed? Even, I think you mentioned there's some stories or poems that, yeah. <laughs> so my my kids it's funny I was asking them at morning time the other day I said hey I um I am going to be talking about this at um, with Miss Karen on the podcast do you guys re- do you guys remember some of the things that we've learned over the years or you've memorized and they started coming out with all the stuff that I had forgotten about and um so they have learned a number like just in their memorization over the years they've had to memorize some poetry and um, you know, the first poem that they ever learned, all of them is the poem work. Have you ever heard work while you work, play while you play? This is the way to be happy each day. All that you do, do with your might. Things done by halves are never done right. So that's one of the very first poems that they have, um, have memorized. And then some others that they, they all kind of started reminding me, no, I, th- I know this one and I know this one is, um, can't. That's the name of one um, poem. It starts, can't is the worst word ever written or spoken, doing more harm than um, something in lies. It's it's just a whole poem about someone saying they can't do it. And then um, results in roses. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Edgar Guest. We, my kids like his poems. And we first learned about him through, if you've ever heard of the Book of Virtues or the Harp and Laurel Wreath, those are two um, big books that are full of poetry, but also some short stories and things that are all about, um, different, different virtues would be the book of virtues. But so Edgar Guest is one of the, one of the poets who, uh, an American poet and all of his stuff is, is really family oriented, but this one results in roses is talking about the hard work that goes into something little by little before you see the fruit. Um, and the man in the arena speech by Teddy Roosevelt that there are certain and if by Rudyard Kipling there, there's just a bunch of them that my, my kids over the years have, have learned. And, um, and we talked about some of the books that we read that they, that I think have had a great, um, have had a great influence on them as far as the, the work ethic in them. Um, like Farmer Boy and the Little Britches series, um, second book, Man of the Family is, is our favorite in the Little Britches series. Um, and then the Created for Work and Boyhood and Beyond are two nonfiction books that Bob Schultz wrote. And it's like in a short uh, short chapter form. You can actually have your, your boys read a chapter each day, or you can read it out loud to the kids because I like it because it's kind of in a narrative form that's, that's catching you know, keeps their attention, but I really love, I mean, I love Bob Schultz's books. Um, and you know, we were, um, talking the other day 
Noble came out with this. We're re- right now we're reading Jack Zulu, which is the latest S.D. Smith book that he wrote with his son. And Noble immediately said, oh, you know, like that part where Jack and Benny have to do this really hard job just because they're they're basically their foreman or their captain, their team doesn't like them and gives them some hard work to do. That's not fair. They decide they need to do it with the best attitude and actually do it better than everybody else. So it's like a, it's, you know, they were helping me remember all the stories that we've read that have had that kind that have the, the message of do your work and do it well. And, um, and then we, you know, there, there were certain books that for me, have been helpful at, for my work ethic because um, it ha- like, you know, long time ago, I think Karen, you mentioned understood Betsy and how, as far as a, a book about um, there, it actually teaches you a lesson about parenting, but it is, it's like, you know, the story of a little girl raised in the city who isn't asked to do anything. And she suddenly has to go live with relatives in the country and she's expected to pitch in and help with everything. And she flourishes. Well, I, you know, I love that book because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm drawn towards, I guess, books that are, they're showing me like that this is, especially when you've got a degree in, in nonsense, basic, basically, <laughs> you, you know, it's, you end up with these, all of these, um, ideas that in, in reality, they don't work out so well if you try to implement most of how they tell you to parent in a, you know, in a university parenting class nowadays. Um, although I'm 45, so that wasn't nowadays, that was <laughs> 25 years ago. But some of the the books I think that have been helpful to me are where I, where I'm looking at someone whose work ethic is something that I want to emulate. And um, Persuasion is one of my favorites and Middlemarch. I, I love it when you get that, comparison between the the woman who's willing to dig in and, and work hard and the one who who won't you know I I tend to uh, that resonates with me but Bleak House is another one and um my Antonia and um and then I just lost the last one it's it'll come back to me in a minute maybe but oh you know I was thinking of the other one The Wise Woman by George McDonald I um love that book. I know it's like a fairy tale, but I mean, I learned so much from it about my work ethic and my attitudes towards work when I don't feel like it. And, um, so I found that one wonderfully convicting, uh, you know, like in the best way possible. Um, and yeah, so, and I, I think those were, there are probably dozens that I'm not remembering right now, but I, I those older books, for some reason, tend to be the ones that I guess have those that, that are the most encouraging to me, at least, um, for, for teaching me how to, how to have the best attitude about work and not that and and fight that sense of entitlement, which I feel like even just living in our culture, we're constantly have to push back against because, you know, it kind of creeps in. Well, Christina, thank you. That um, I think you've left us with some really good thoughts, and that is we can't ask anything of our children that we're not willing to do ourselves. And it's obviously that you are a woman and a mother who um, who understands the value of you know the hard work ethic in yourself, and you obviously model that for your children. And 
it's obvious that they've come along after you and taken that to heart. So, and, and I know your husband gets the credit for that too. Um, so thank you. Thank you for spending this afternoon with us and leaving us with so many good ideas and resources. And um, just, I pray the Lord continues to bless you and your children and as you work for him in all, all kinds of capacities. So thank you for being here with us and here's to home. Thank you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.